Hello and welcome to the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly and I'm here to provide regular bursts of information and inspiration, some neuroscience applicable to eating disorder recovery, perhaps a few rants, but otherwise lots of positivity with a bit of a Feck It attitude, some fun and a sprinkling of fabulousness to help everyone find freedom in recovery. Hi everyone, how's it going? I hope everybody is doing okay out there and having a really good time at bashing eating disorders out of their lives and building free futures which don't have anything to do with addiction to energy deficit in their lives any longer. So I'm Helly, this is the Feck It Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast that you're listening to and In recent episodes, I've been talking a lot about my take on eating disorders now, which is that they are an addiction to energy deficit. And in the last episode, I covered what an abstinence approach to overcoming a restrictive eating disorder and an addiction to energy deficit might involve and why that approach can be one of the most effective methods to overcome an eating disorder. But this episode is going to talk about the alternative to going for an abstinence approach and instead what could be considered a moderation approach when you're overcoming an addiction or when you're trying to overcome a restrictive eating disorder and that addiction to energy deficit. It can be easy to think that a gradual reduction in engaging in your pursuit of energy deficit and in giving up the eating disorder, the eating disorder behaviours, the restriction and everything else entailed within the eating disorder. It'd be easy to think that it would be an easier way to go about it with a moderation method. But actually, using a moderation approach can actually be harder than using an abstinence approach. And that's because when you continue to use the eating disordered behaviours, even if that's in a reduced capacity, it's really effectively the same as still taking your drug and still getting a fix of that drug. Once your brain has sampled another taste of your drug of energy deficit each time, the brain circuits pursuing the addictive behaviours will spark back into life and your brain will automatically try to pursue it much further. And alongside that, the resulting dopamine response that you get each time you get that fix from your drug of energy deficit, that little dopamine spike is also going to create powerful cravings for even more. They call dopamine the molecule of more because when dopamine is released, it makes you want more of whatever caused that release of it. And those urges then for more can be very, very powerful. And so these two factors, the dopamine and your lighting up the brain circuits when you do engage in an eating disorder behaviour, even if it's in a reduced capacity, those two factors will make it much harder to engage in the behaviours in a reduced way when you compare it to aiming to just stop them. And attempting moderation also comes with a greater risk that your brain will find other ways to still get its fix in ways that look like reduced engagement in the eating disorder behaviours, 
but which really aren't. So examples of this can be that you've decided to eat more, but as you were using a moderation approach rather than giving up all restriction, you find that you are eating more frequently, but when you take a step back and look at what you're eating over the day, it's actually of no or very little difference to how much your intake was before. But I get it. I do know, I've been there, I do know that for some and often giving up everything in one go is not something that you feel ready to do. It might just feel that that's far too big a leap. It might feel too difficult emotionally or it might be you're still contemplating how willing you are to make changes. And so there are going to be those of you for whom smaller changes, which could be considered a moderation approach rather than full abstinence, is the preferred option, at least to start with. So if that's the case for you, what then can a moderation approach look like practically and what are the risks to be aware of when you do use this approach or these methods? Perhaps the most common tool used in eating disorder treatment that prescribes moderation rather than abstinence from restrictive eating is a meal plan. So meal plans are essentially a prescription for food of what to eat, when and how much. In some cases, people are given meal plans and they're told not to eat above the plan. And of course, that takes away any ability to eat without restriction. Other people are given meal plans and they're told that the plan is the minimum they need to eat. But the amounts the plan provides are very restrictive when compared to the person's hunger. And this exacerbates thoughts that their high appetite is wrong and should be suppressed. And then that has the effect of maintaining brain circuits that pursue restrictive eating. Overcoming an eating disorder takes self-empowerment and self-direction, although with support and reassurance. Meal plans can prevent a person developing their own sense of empowerment to overcome the eating disorder. A lot of people compare meal plans to learning how to ride a bike with stabilizers, or perhaps you might call them training wheels. To me, it's nothing at all like riding a bike with stabilizers and learning how to ride a bike in that way. Meal plans are actually more comparable to being the backseat passenger on a bike while someone else is doing the riding of it. They do very little to teach you how to ride the bike yourself. But having said that, meal plans can have their place. I'm not saying that meal plans don't have a place for anybody. At first, you might feel that you need more structured guidance to increase your eating in a more prescribed way. And that can also be a value if you're at risk of refeeding syndrome in the short term. Meal plans can also serve as a means of damage limitation if you're not ready to make more changes, but you need to maintain physical stability. But meal plans should always be used with caution and in the short term, if at all, for those committed to overcome the eating disorder. Ultimately, meal plans prescribe moderation. And while there are rules and limits in place with your food intake, they will prevent you from ever developing the necessary skills 
to understand your body signals and to trust your hunger. So another way that moderation can be used in overcoming an eating disorder is when it comes to exercise and movement. You might decide that you won't abstain from it altogether, but you'll work on reducing it or switching from one type of exercise to another. And you might work with a professional on an exercise reduction program, which might be to reduce the amount of time you spend exercising each day or week, reducing the intensity, or perhaps something like swimming for yoga. Now, it's very likely that professionals who advocate this approach are unaware of just how highly addictive the exercise is. A lot of professionals who don't fully understand eating disorders might consider that the only problem with a person exercising when they're attempting to overcome one is that it will hinder their weight gain. But of course, continuing to exercise, even in moderated amounts, doesn't help with brain reprogramming in the most effective ways. And as with meal plans, this approach isn't one I would ever recommend for anything other than the very short term, if at all, or only as a means of damage limitation if you're not aiming to overcome the eating disorder entirely. At the end of the day, abstinence is always going to be the method with the lowest risk of failure. But again, you might decide that abstinence is just too much and so a moderation approach, a step-down approach, is what you need as a stepping stone in your process to overcome the eating disorder. And when it comes to other behaviours, you might also choose to apply a moderation approach rather than full abstinence or even be advised by professionals to cut back rather than stop. But please don't believe anyone, no matter how qualified they seem, who tells you that you won't cope with stopping behaviours or giving up the eating disorder. You will cope with more than you know. And if anyone tells you that you won't, you go out there and you prove them wrong because I know that you can. So let's consider some of the other behaviours then. Purging through vomiting. So if you purge through vomiting, applying a moderation approach to this will involve creating very strict boundaries for yourself in terms of how often you will allow yourself to purge and hopefully with a very significant reduction to now. And then you'll need to find barriers that will prevent you from engaging in purging behaviours outside of those times to ensure that the behaviours do reduce and don't re-escalate. And of course, aiming to stop it entirely in as short a time period as you can. When it comes to the use of laxatives or diet pills or diuretics or other substances, stopping these suddenly might be medically unadvisable and I discussed this in the last episode. So if you have a dependence on laxatives or other substances, please seek medical support and advice in how to reduce and stop them. The topic of weighing yourself or being weighed by others That is a topic for a future episode all in itself, which I will get around to making at some point in the very near future. So with weighing yourself, consider the benefits or potential harm that weighing yourself or being weighed and knowing your weight will have in this process. 
And if you decide you want to continue to weigh yourself, then as with other behaviours, set very strict boundaries around it and find ways to keep to them. And then when it comes to calorie counting or tracking other numbers, tracking macros, tracking steps, whatever else it is that you choose to track or look at the numbers of, abstaining from any numbers is recommended as you know the gold standard as you give up restriction, as you give up the eating disorder. But if stopping suddenly just seems too big a leap, then moderation might look like setting boundaries, such as only allowing yourself to count once a day, or if you usually write the numbers down or use a Fitbit tracker or anything like that, then stop using those. And then there's also the behaviours that stem from food obsession. So food obsession is in part a natural response of your brain to being in a malnourished state. But the more you engaged in these behaviours and the more reward your brain deemed from them, the more habitual they became over time. And to an extent, those behaviours will reduce naturally as you eat more and become energy balanced. But there'll also be unwiring and rewiring work to do around those behaviours as well. So if, for example, you look at recipes frequently, or you follow food porn accounts on social media, or you spend more time than an average person in supermarkets, and you want to apply a moderation rather than abstinence approach to stopping yourself doing these things, then again, set boundaries. Decide you'll only look up recipes when you absolutely need to, and no more than once a week. You'll reduce the number of food porn accounts you follow and only scroll through social media for a certain amount of time a day. And you'll only visit the supermarket just once or twice a week and buy large amounts all at once. Overall, applying a moderation approach to the process of reprogramming your brain from an eating disorder will only ever take you so far. With a moderation approach, there is a real risk of getting trapped in a life of moderation, still having to work hard to control your behaviours each day, which ultimately maintains a negative impact on your life. And that's what can happen when people hit what is commonly thought of as quasi-recovery. And again, that's a topic for another episode. Or if you do want to understand more about quasi-recovery or what I call a life trapped in moderation, then please pick up a copy of Addicted to Energy Deficit and you can read the whole chapter about that. But honestly, this is your recovery journey. This is your process to overcome the eating disorder and overcome the addiction to energy deficit. And you take ownership of it. It might be you decide to toe dip into the process initially. You might just need to reassure yourself that changes are possible before you take that larger leap of faith. Or maybe there are medical issues that apply and you need to apply moderation in the first couple of weeks. And in the next episode, I will be talking about refeeding syndrome and some of the risks in the first week or two that can be there for some people in overcoming restriction. But as I've said before, and I'll say it once more, a period of full abstinence is always going to be preferable because it gives your brain the best chance to fully reprogram and a lower risk of lapses. And once you're in the abstinence process, most people find that it's easier 
than attempting to navigate the more confusing waters of behaviour reduction and moderation. Because conversely to what you might think, in 99% of cases, abstinence really is less distressing than moderation. And yes, that is an official statistic that I might or might not have just made up. You decide. So it's up to you what you decide to do at the end of the day. It's up to you how you go about approaching the eating disorder. The only thing I would say don't do is don't do nothing. Any action towards overcoming the eating disorder is better than doing nothing. Because the more you chip away, if that's the way you're going, the more confidence you'll build in yourself and your abilities and it will get easier to knock bigger chunks out of that eating disorder as you proceed. But always aim to bash as hard as you can because I believe that you can and I know you have the strength and the courage and the determination and the will to get through this. So there's a lot more information about all of this and so, so, so much more in my book, Addicted to Energy Deficit, a neuroscience-based guide to restrictive eating disorders, and you can buy that now. And the other thing to tell you is that my second book, which is a handbook to accompany the first book, is going to be published in August, so anytime now. And that book is called Aiming for Overshoot. So I think you can imagine the tone of the book and the advice that it might include. But I'm quite excited to share it with you because I really hope that it will help motivate and inspire a lot of you and it will give you a lot of hints and tips into really how to go about fully overcoming the eating disorder that you are so desperate to be free of. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll speak to you very soon. And in the meantime, you know what to do. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. Don't forget, eating disorder recovery doesn't have to be boring and doesn't have to be serious. Now go and grab yourself some food and have a fabulous rest of the day.